0: Welcome to the Rock of Bay County, Florida, where our vision is to be a multi-generational gathering, moving as one body to bring the glory of Yahweh to this beautiful county and to all the earth. We hope you are encouraged and blessed as you listen to this message. There's a a scripture that I've read about a thousand times, and uh, you've personally read it a thousand times, maybe more. You've heard... Preachers across America, across the world recite it. It's probably if you can't recite any scripture, you can mostly recite this scripture. It's before I formed you, I knew you. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. You might not be able to tell me chapter and verse there. Zephaniah 12:13 not it he's speaking about the prophet jeremiah but he it gives us such an insight it's like we we know it before i formed you benjamin before i before i formed you before i formed you before i formed you Before you were formed, you were you. Before you were formed, you were you. You were formless, but you were you. Before I formed you, I knew you. I know you saw it at Hobby Lobby last night. I know it's on every nursery Christian nursery in America, but before I knew you, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Uh, He's waking us up to remembrance. Before what, Jeffrey, before what? Before you were born, yes, but present day before your job, before your occupation, before you were a pastor, before you were a doctor, before you worked at a pharmacy, before you worked at a grocery store, before you were a bank teller, before you were a builder, before you did anything in the ministry, before you were called, before you were a vice president of Walmart, senior vice president of Walmart before you were a musician, before you were a worship leader, before you dealt with anxiety, before you got divorced, before you got married, before you were a father, and before you were a mother, Before you were a husband or a wife, before you were a friend before you were a son or a daughter before you were black, and before you were white before you were gay, or before you were straight. Before you had an addiction with drugs, or before you had an addiction to pornography. Before you had addiction to alcohol. Before you failed and before you succeeded. Before. Before you were a football fan, a baseball fan. Before you just love TV, before you were for the Georgia Bulldogs, Florida State, Florida, Alabama, God help their Saul Auburn, before any of these things, all of these things, all of these external situations and circumstances that you believe made you you, before. This stuff made you you. You were you. (laughs) That means there's a way back to you. And that's what he's coming after. The term he knew you actually means that he saw you as a treasure. It's literally what this phrase means. It means he saw you as a treasure and he was watching over you intently. So when you were formless and when you were actually you before you became what you think you are now, stay with me, Before He formed you, He had you in a place called formless. And He cared deeply and intimately about you to the degree that you were His treasure. And that portion is the same today and forever. And I believe that that all of this even... Dad, this whole thing about him saying, I'm, I'm about to help you to remember. I'm about to help you remember. I'm about to call you into remembrance of a world called unseen. Not seen and hasn't been seen for a very long time. Babe, could you pass me that water? Thank you. She opened it because she knew I couldn't do it. She didn't want to embarrass me. Zach, could you guys grab that for me? You see, the reason this, this concept of being... You is the reason that Yeshua, in the middle of him preaching a sermon, in the middle of the multitude sitting there listening intent, intently on his word, could have a woman who was actually caught in adultery. Okay, we, we, we have all these external ideas of what's good and what's right and what's moral and th- I'm not saying they're not, they're not right and good and moral. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying though is that what we convince ourselves of, our failures or anything else, and I know I'm talking to you simply this morning, sometimes we need to be spoken to simply until the obvious becomes actually obvious. But there's a woman who's caught in adultery, caught in, not like we say it as if it's her name, she's a woman caught in adultery. She was caught in the act of adultery And brought to the feet of Yeshua, and he can still look at her and say, I know you. And there's something in his eyes that causes her to know her. So, what happened? What happened? Romans twelve two. I think we have that. You can pull it up if you want to. But again, I'm I'm speaking this. It's so in so many ways. What I have to say this morning is so obvious. But I I felt this morning I'm not to preach to you. You can call it preaching, but I'm here to minister to you. I want to I want to I want to help us go back in our minds, in our thinking, to the before moment, to the formless moment. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of Yahweh, that you might prove the perfect will of Yahweh. It's perfect will being that you not be conformed. I, I think it's perfect what Stone brought to us this morning about the, I see that too, and whenever that whole revelation about the whirl and the dance thing, that's, I don't know, you might have said it to me, someone said something along those lines of in the waiting, it's as if he's molding us. It's like that whirl and the dance is actually a potter's wheel. And he's making something new again. And what it is, is I believe what's happened in our lives. And again, simple, simple, simple. Be okay with that. We, before we were formed, we were known. But as we've walked through life, we've been conformed. And we've come into agreement with an idea of us that is contrary to the idea that he sees us. The the way that he knew us. Knew you, you, like, make it personal. He knew you. Everything else is this conforming type of deal. It's, it's you've been conformed to the world's, to the world's ideas of you and, and what makes sense. And I love how the Passion Translation says, stop imitating the ideas of the culture, something along those lines, because you would have to, thank you, Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. Stop imitating the ideals. Well, why, why is it imitating? Because before you were formed, you were you. You literally are having to imitate, to portray, to wear a mask, Hippocrates, remember, changing out masks to fit a, a play, to, to play a different character in the play, and, and that's what we do, is we go in and it's, it's, this is me today, and this is me tomorrow, and this is me, it's why so many men go through this place of midlife crisis and so many women go through a place of called midlife crisis and we go man I'm I'm to a point that I thought I would be somewhere but I'm not quite there I'm towards the end of my life and I'm not quite what I'm what I thought I would be and I and I saw this being something different and he says but I saw you and my goal is that you become you and this is the great redeeming salvation power here Is that Romans 8 says, for those he foreknew, he also predestined. Meaning this was part of the plan all along. You hadn't messed up. You haven't screwed up. You hadn't got too far away. You haven't gotten too hopeless. You haven't gotten too anxious. You haven't gotten too divorced or too married or too much of a father or too much of a mother. You haven't failed enough to get away from this idea that for those he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed into the image of Christ. I I believe it's one of the reasons so many pastors across America and across the world are choosing death over life. I mean literally committing suicide is because they're trying to be the solution when we're just called to point them to the source. Right? We, we, I'm not the answer. I'm, I'm not the answer. I'm a vessel. I say yes, whatever, however, whenever. Oh, you want to sit in silence for this long? I'll sit in silence. It's awkward. But I don't care. It's beautiful. Because at the end of the day, I just want to do what he wants to do. And that's my leadership here. And that frees me to not live my life in anxiety or worry about how this day is going to go or what I got to preach and how it's going to come across. And if people received it the right way or they received it the wrong way, if I get a bunch of texts on my phone that say, man, what a great message, brother, or I don't get a single one. Don't text me. But my goal and my heart in this day for this tribe is to call us to remembrance, to call us to operate from the heart and not the head. The mind, a servant can't serve two masters. We know that, right? The mind is supposed to serve the heart. The mind perceives, it sees, it senses all of these things around us and it starts to create an image of our surroundings, of who we are, of what we're, what we've, all, all the things that we've walked through, it compiles this thing, it helps process it, and it ultimately goes into a place called the heart, the innermost being. But ultimately, the heart and the mind, we're supposed to operate together, not at enmity with one another. But now it's like we're fighting the mind, it's either you're operating from the heart or the mind, and the mind works. Why? Be anxious for nothing, In all things through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving in your heart, make your requests known unto Yahweh. And His peace, which passes all understanding, will guard both your heart and your mind. It's vitally important that in all of our ways we acknowledge Him. Vitally. It's vitally important that we sit and take moments of time to sit in His presence in silence. Not, again, not a good idea, okay? As a believer, that's not a good idea that you sit in his presence. It's not, it's not just a tool to get what you want. It's not a tool just to make you feel good. It's not a good conceptual idea to sit in the presence of the Father or to set the Lord before you, as I've said, I I set the Lord always before me. It's not a good idea to look through that lens. For a believer, for a son and a daughter, it is vitally, vitally necessary that you take the time to sit in his presence. Not religiously, not religiously, not religiously. Not religiously. Don't take this and this week go, well, then today I'm going to sit an hour. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, for 30 minutes, I got it. We're get, no, no, no. I mean intentionally. If that's 30 seconds, it was Intentional. But ultimately, you know what, it's every moment of every day that we operate from a place called unseen, that he is among us, and every single time that we touch, we feel, we make a decision, it is unto him. It is his breath in our lungs, and his whole purpose, his predestination for those he foreknew, which we were all known before we were us, was that we be conformed into the image of Christ. Romans 1.18, the Passion Translation. We're going to jump back here. For God in heaven unveils His holy anger, breaking forth against every form of sin, both toward, un- toward ungodliness that lives in hearts and evil actions. For the wickedness of humanity deliberately smothers the truth and keeps people from acknowledging the truth about God. It's vitally important that in all of our ways we acknowledge Him. There's a, I've mentioned it before, but there's some there's a drug rehab center somewhere out west, and they have like some ridiculously high, some ridiculously high success rate. And literally one of their main uh, treatments, so to speak, they're Christian-centered they make these drug addicts come in and sit in front of a mirror multiple times a day and say, you're a son of God. You're a child of God. You are deeply, intimately loved by a father. And you imagine the drug addict in the very beginning, maybe it's emotional, and it's very, oh man, I'm just, I'm, I am, I'm just a sinner saved by grace and Woe is me and I'm so sorry. And then the habits, the mind start to kick back in and then they start to get a little bit sick of this whole exercise. But what happens is the heart believes what it's fed. The mind believes what it perceives, but the heart believes ultimately what it's fed. Bless is a man that meditates on his law day and night, night and day. In all of our ways, we are to acknowledge Him. For the wickedness of humanity deliberately smothers the truth and keeps people from acknowledging the truth, all that is real, about God. In reality, the truth of God is known instinctively. Why? Because before, you were you. Before, you were formed. Now, He formed us, but then we were conformed Too many forms? You with me? He formed us, but he also predestined us to be conformed. The simplicity of it is that we've been conformed to the ways of the world. And this is... Their plan all along, once again, for the wickedness of humanity deliberately smothers the truth and keeps people from acknowledging the truth about God. In reality, the truth of God is known instinctively because before I I, I formed you, I knew you. For God has embedded this knowledge inside every human heart. Opposition to truth cannot be excused on the basis of ignorance. Because from the creation of the world, the invisible qualities of God's nature have been made visible, such as his eternal power and transcendence above the norm, above the normal way of thinking, the normal way of life. He has made his wonderful attributes easily perceived for seeing the visible makes us understand the invisible. So then this leaves everyone without an excuse. I know I'm repeating this, but this is, this is not a good idea either. This is vitally necessary to know that if you are looking through the wrong lens at today, you freak out. If you are setting the world before you, you are freaking out. And you can tell me all day long that you got it. I got the grace for it. I can look. I can read. I can be okay. I can speak. But when, you, when those words come out of your tongue, you've got the power, Mike, death and life, right, in the tongue. And those things that you keep speaking about, those things that we keep Saying about our lives and about the world and what's going to happen, do you realize that you're speaking things into the atmosphere? It's literally inner becoming with our world. That's the power within your tongue. That's that's scientific fact. We are inner becoming, interchanging with our earth. But we just let things fly, right? because we get a little anxious and it's just well you know this is what's going to happen the world's going you know it it's the end and this is that and that this is this and this is how it's going to be what about sons and daughters that step up and say i know the reality of an unseen world because before i was formed i was known and he's bringing me back to a place of knowing that real me I love the story of Zacchaeus. I've said it before, but he's running uh, uh, in front of the crowd. He climbs up the fig tree. We know the fig tree, the fig leaves in Adam and Eve's time was kind of covering what they were. Zacchaeus, people saw him as a scoundrel, as a scoundrel, as someone who stole money from them. He was the chief of all the scoundrels. He was a wee little man. And a wee little man was he. But somehow he climbed up this like 40 foot tree. And one of the most powerful revelatory moments in this entire story is that Yeshua never knew Zacchaeus. But he called him by name. Behind the hidden things. Behind trying to hide who I am up in the tree, just want to get a view. He looks up in the tree amongst a huge crowd of everybody wanting to hear Jesus and everybody wanting to be prayed for and everybody wanting him to do something for him. For them, he looks up in this massive tree and he says, Zacchaeus, come down from there. Day. You remember the the word day. It is day. It is supernaturally, spiritually necessary that I stay with you today. Not because I feel like it, not because we're bros, not because of anything other than the fact that it is my responsibility today to stay in your house. And he looks Zacchaeus in the eyes and he says, Zacchaeus, come down from there. Now here's the crazy thing is that Zacchaeus is actually not a scoundrel. Zacchaeus is not, he's not, a, he's not a tax collector. He hasn't stolen, he's not a criminal, he's not a wee little man, he's not any of these things that people know him to be. He's actually known as Zacchaeus before he was formed, he was known. And you know what the name Zacchaeus actually means? It means pure. So, the nature of Zacchaeus, though he didn't know it or realize it because he had been conformed by the world and his uh, occupation and who he was before that, he was pure. Before the woman was caught in adultery, she was pure. Am I speaking to you today? I literally am speaking to you, so you should say yes. Mark 10, verse 46. Out of the Passion Translation. When Jesus and his disciples had passed through Jericho, a large crowd joined them. Upon leaving the village, they met a blind beggar sitting on the side of the road named Timae. If you're in another translation, it's going to be Timaeus or Timaeus or however you want to say it. The son of Tamai. When he heard that Jesus from Nazareth was passing by, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me now in my affliction. Heal me. Those in the crowd were indignant and scolded him for making so much of a disturbance. But he kept shouting with all his might, Son of David, have mercy on me now and heal me. Jesus stopped and said, call him to come to me. So they went to the blind man and said, have courage, get up, Jesus is calling you. So he threw off his beggar's cloak. Because at the time, Tamai, or blind Bartimaeus, wore a beggar's cloak because they wore cloaks that signified that what they were were beggars on the street so that they could receive money or they could receive help. They were the blind, or he was a blind beggar and he had a cloak that literally identified him as a beggar. He had been conformed through a series of circumstances, blindness, affliction, Poverty, whatever those things might be, he had come into a place of misidentification. But when Yeshua calls him, there's a place that we have to walk in called formless. I'm neither healed nor am I a beggar. I, I'm neither healed nor am I a beggar. But I am me. So he starts walking down this path to Yeshua. And this is where I believe I have seen the most, like where transformation took place in, in, in my life and my walk, any time that it has taken place, has always been through a process and not as much of the thing. I've seen this and I believe this takes place, but there is a lot of times and most times I'd say that Yeshua wants us to come to a place called formless so that when we look at him, we can be conformed into his image, the ultimate predestination. And formlessness is like a wilderness. It's where we're supposed to go to learn to trust ourselves, to be equipped, and to come into knowing to a face-to-face. Who was it? It was, it was Stone, once again. He was talking about the the, the the wheel, and I loved how he said that there's a moment where it's just you and him. There's a formless moment. There's formlessness. There's there's formlessness, there's, there's, a, there's a moment in time that we have got to come to a place when we come into this recognition of before I was formed, I was known. When we're starting to be called back to remembrance where we're gonna have to walk through a wilderness to equip us for re-identification, it's where I believe this house is. As we are starting to walk into a day of re-identification, one year exactly, Apostle Damon Thompson came, and we had a tent in here, and we had our big hoedown stuff going on, and it was a blast, and it was awesome. And the other day, I was I was getting hit with a lot of things by him. I was getting hit with a lot of revelatory type stuff that, it was a personal thing, and I wasn't going to go here, but I'm going to go here. Isaiah 60. Rise up in splendor and be radiant, for your light has dawned, and Yahweh's glory now streams from you. My eye be single, my entire body is full of light. Singular focus. We're called to be these streams of light now. Rise up in splendor and be radiant for your light has dawned and Yahweh's glory now streams from you. Look carefully. Darkness blankets the earth and thick clouds cover the nations but Yahweh arises upon you and the brightness of his glory appears over you. C- come on, see this, this is not, this is not a-, a Bible verse from way back when, this is present day. I like to read scriptures and add today at the end of them. Look carefully, verse two says, darkness blankets the earth. And thick clouds covers the nations, but Yahweh arises upon you. Who's you? You. Not you, but you. Right? Like not you present day. You formless. You. That, that you. That's, that's the you you need to be. Nations will be attracted to your radiant light and kings to the sunrise glory of your new day. Lift up your eyes higher, look all around you and believe. For your sons are returning from far away and your daughters are being tenderly carried home. Watch as they all gather together, eager to come back to you. Beautiful. Isaiah 62 is the answer to that. How do we become the light? This is how we walk. For Zion's sake, how can I keep silent? For Jerusalem's sake, how can I remain quiet? I will keep interceding until her righteousness breaks forth like the blazing light of dawn and her salvation like a burning torch. I will keep interceding until her righteousness breaks forth like the blazing light of dawn and her salvation like a burning torch. The world, me, you, the darkness, None of that needs our opinion like it needs our intercession. I will keep interceding until her righteousness breaks forth like the blazing light of dawn and her salvation like a burning torch. Nations will see your victory vindication and every king will witness your blinding radiance. You will be called by a brand new name given to you from the mouth of Yahweh himself. You will be a beautiful crown held high in the hand of Yahweh and a royal crown of splendor held in the open palm of your God. You will never again be called the abandoned one, nor will your land be called deserted, but you will be called my delight is in you. In your land, my beloved wife. For Yahweh finds his delight in you and married your land. As a young man marries the young woman he loves, so your builder's sons will marry you. As the bridegroom bridegroom finds joy in his union with his bride, so will your God take joy in his union with you. Do you know that our earth is also walking into a new day? To a place of formlessness. Revelation, as weird as this might sound, says that there will be a new heaven and a new earth. A new heaven and a new earth. We can get there. Is it, is it Mars? Is that the new one? We got a rover on there? No, 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 no. You're standing on it, my friends. The next thing that that says is that God himself will dwell among human beings. So just in case, I don't want to mix words and I don't want you to think something that's not quite real or that, I don't want it to be misinterpreted. So I looked, out, I looked over the word human and I looked over the word beings and this is what I came up with. It means human beings. <laughs> Let that revelation just hit you hard. Get it, took me a lot of time. Emmanuel, he will dwell in this new earth. And what, what's the new earth? What's, why is it new heaven? New heaven and new earth? Well, we're the vessels that are called to, bl- to bring this earth into a heavenly reality, into an unseen world. And I believe this new heaven and new earth is actually just the original intent of what it was supposed to be. Heaven and earth as one. The marrying of the bride. But oftentimes it's going to take us to a place where we have to throw off what we've known about ourselves, what we see about this world. Can't teach an old old dog new tricks? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. The new tricks just have to be so old that they seem like they're new. They're the original intent. They are the real you, the real dog. I'm going to stop with that. That was not a good enough. (laughs) Mark the time. On that, let's go back, Wesley, and just erase that whole act like it didn't happen, all right? Didn't land like I wanted it to. (laughs) Apostle Damon came here a year ago exactly, and you can think of things as if it was happened to happen and it's just circumstantial and that just things happen and then all of a sudden they come back. I haven't thought about that day since since like a couple months after that. That was, oh, that was awesome. It was powerful. I listened to those messages some and it was great and everything else. And I know that it was a marked time, but what I really believe happened is he spoke a seed. And that seed went through an incubation process. And one year later that seed is starting to sprout. In this house And that man called me by a brand new name. But it was always my name. It was me. And Abba started to speak to me again about this. I, I, I. It first came in a place of, I believe that this house has a new name. Let that sit, ingest it, let all the jitters get out. This place will have a new name, and I mean literally. Upon this rock, he'll build his church. We're the builders, and we will always be founded on the rock, but we're building, and we're going to be called by a brand new name. And I thought that, that I had that revelation and I was like, you know what, I, I, it's scary, I don't want to do that, I don't want it to seem like, you know, whatever, but I, I, I trust you, Yahweh, and that's good, and he goes, that's great, but son, I called you first by a brand new name. And in order for this house to walk through re-identification, you first have to be willing to walk through re-identification. And I'm telling you, the seed that was planted as Joseph has come to full fruition. And today, I lean into and fully accept and not kick off, buck off. I don't really care if it seems weird, and I'm not going to correct you if you're wrong, but I'm Joseph. And I don't like the name Joseph. Sorry, guys. I love you. I don't like the name Joseph. I don't. But I have subjected myself to the whatever, however, whenever. Revelation in the call that he's called me to. And I have been called by a brand new name. And in order for this house to walk in its intended measure of righteousness, of glory, of breakthrough, I have got to be willing as the leader, as the called, as the set man, as the apostle, whatever you wanna call me, I have to be willing to step into a re-identification process, which I've gone through for a year and I'm still going through, but my nature and my name is Joseph. So I will refer to myself as Joseph. It's something that he literally has me signing my name as Joseph. Why Joseph? In the the nature of Joseph, famine cannot exist. I don't know if you've noticed, but we've walked in this house through moments and days of famine and, 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 and it's been broken. But look, we are prospering. It's because before I was formed, I was known as Joseph. Before I was formed, he intimately cared about the thing he put inside of me. This is why I can say to Joanne, I got this story right when I'm a little kid and we hear on the radio uh, someone describing Yahweh and what he looks like. And I tell Jojo, I say, you know what? No, that's not what, that's not what Yahweh looks like. And she's like, oh, really, Mark? Well, how do you know? And I turned to her, disgusted that she'd even ask. But I turned to her as a matter of factly and I said, because I've seen him before I came here. Before. I told you guys I was not going here, Eva. For Zion's sake, how can I keep silent though? For Jerusalem's sake, how can I remain quiet? I will keep interceding until her righteousness breaks forth like the blazing light of dawn and her salvation like a burning torch. It's what I'm called to do. It's what you're called to do. It's what this house is called to be and called to do. Nations will see your victory vindication and every king will witness your blinding radiance. You will be called by a brand new name given to you from the mouth of Yahweh himself. You will be a beautiful crown held high in the hand of Yahweh, a royal crown of splendor held in the open palm of your God. You will never again be called the abandoned one nor will your land be called deserted. But you will be called my delight is in you and your land my beloved wife. For Yahweh finds his delight in you and he married your land. Now, There tends to be fads in churches. And when someone goes off of a new name, all of a sudden everybody else thinks it's a new name. I brought up the story of Zacchaeus and the story of, uh, of, of Tamai. Tamai, his, his name actually meant uh, um, exalted or, or seen as like high. Not, not a blind beggar, but literally seen as, let me get to it, let me just say, it's uh, highly prized or esteemed. That's, but he, that was his name. And sometimes he's just bringing you into a deeper revelation of what you are, who you are. You are you. Benjamin, that's not the case for you because you're not Ben. And you're not pastor. And I, I don't, I'm not saying I repent because I'm walking through a, a, a place of, of growing into this whole thing but you're Benjamin and it's not right for me to call you Ben because if I want the fullness of who Benjamin is to Joseph I need to refer to him by the name that came out of Yahweh's mouth himself Benjamin son of my right hand He's he's not a pastor that's not that's a title he pastors well. He's not just a prophet, though he's very prophetic and he he profits well. <laughs> prophets and is prof- you know what I mean. Wesley, go back to that. Let's scrub that too. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. <laughs> Beloved, Dahavid, David. You're not anxious. Your name is not Jeffrey. Every answer to every question you have in your mind is called is found in a field called trust in a field called oneness set apart holy unto him. Your answers are in a field. And you need to set yourself apart Set yourself apart from all the other things. I would get rid of your phone unless only your wife can get a hold of you. I would get rid of everything in your life and I want you to find a literal field. And I want you to go there because you have got to walk into the Davidic nature that's put in your heart. So the next generation, stand on your shoulders so today I call you David. I believe that's a new name and i i don't even i don 't even have that forever don't worry i 'm not going to go through here wayne i 'm just kidding. <laughs> but it's it, it's it's not just a whatever thing guys this is this is I, I, I'm, I'm stepping into the unseen. I'm remembering. I'm, it's not, I'm not conjuring, I'm remembering. And when you come to the place where you're gonna say, I want to know me. I wanna know before I was formed and before I let formed uh, this world form me or conform me and I start to look back into the eyes of Christ and he starts to conform me into his image, you need to be aware that you're gonna be revealed the real you, and you'll be called by a brand new nature, uh, name. Some of that's for me. Just has to be a declaration. But the thing for you and for this house is, I, 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 Yahweh told me not to preach today, but to minister. And my ministry to you is that I need you to go to a place in your mind where you were, before you were formed, you were known. Before you were formed, before anything else, who has an issue right now? Who has something they want to see breakthrough for? Who has any kind of anxiety, worry, doubt? Anything right now, raise your hand. Do you have any of that stuff? If you don't, start praying for us (laughs) intently. Because everybody has something that they think about in the middle of the night, whether that they worry about, whether that be their kids, their finances, sickness, health, whatever it might be, there is something there. And I want you to know that before any of that stuff existed, there was a moment where you were really you, and he's trying to take us back, back to the beginning, which is before you were born and before you were formed. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Not mine. I, uh, I want to recognize a man that doesn't go to church here, didn't go to church here, none of his family go here and they will not know this. I don't think that they've ever listened to a podcast. Maybe they have. I have no idea. But I want to say this because I can and because I've got the platform. and I've got a mic and I feel like honoring Dr. Steve Myers. He recently passed away and um this man had such an impact on my life, though it's not like we had all these interactions, but he was, a, he was a, a colleague and a friend and a brother of my dad's, and I was a friend of his son's, and we used to, as little kids, go to uh, go on father-son ski trips together, and there's just something about the joy, in, the joy in that man's eyes. There's something about just the resolve that Steve Myers had that made an impact on my life. And I remember one time, not all that long ago, we showed up to his office, Dad, and we, we went to the back door and he, and he opened the back door and he had his arms open wide and my dad kind of went to hug him. And he's, I'm not talking about you. And he grabbed me and he hugged me. And I remember it kind of caught me off guard, just, I, I, just like I knew he was being funny. But then he just put his arm around me and walked me around his entire office and introduced me as if I was almost like his son. And I don't even know why that's such an impactful thing but for some reason that made an impact on my life and his, his his boys did and his family and so I he is it is it Luke Gehrig's disease that he had ALS and he uh and he recently he he just not that long ago passed away and so I I just want to I want to honor him first off just I just want to thank him and thank his family for the impact that they have on my life that they had and just speak his name from this, this speaking place. And I just speak peace over them. I speak peace over Miss Mary Jo and Jordan and Stephen. And I just ask that your wraparound presence just comes around them today. Your peace that passes understanding. And we speak over Joe and Ellen today as they go see them that they will carry a grace of peace from this atmosphere. A grace of peace from this atmosphere will go to that family and touch every single person that they come in contact with. That there might not be understanding but there will be peace that surpasses that understanding. That you will be glorified in the, the life of Stephen Myers and his family, and his grandkids, and that his legacy will be blessed. Declare this in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information on the Rock of Bay County, please go to therockofbc.org.